In the 1970s, a future top-notch podcasting team was born, and then raised on military bases because their dads were in the Air Force. These Gen Xers eventually grew up and were unleashed upon the world. Today, looking forward to retirement, they survive by dishing out their opinions. If you have questions that need answers and an open mind, if you can spare 60 minutes a week, and if you have internet access, maybe you can listen to Kenyatta and Jack Save the World. Should old acquaintance be forgot and never brought to mind? Don't forget us, listening friends, because we are back, back, back for season three. Can you believe it? Neither can we. We're so excited. And if you're here, you already know who you're listening to. I'm Kenyatta. That gentleman over there is Jack. And we are all in 2024. Hallelujah. Where's the eggnog? How are you? <laughs> I am. I am all right. I am just tickled that uh, we're back recording again. Mm-hmm. My Thursdays have been weird, but I did finally finish Picard season two on my Thursdays. So now when I'm up visiting the, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to get that done season three and then I'm going to move on to another show. Fair, fair. That's good. I don't even. I haven't. I don't even know if I've actually been. Oh, the Gilded Age. I finally started watching that, and I'm all cut up because they just finished season two. And are you liking it? Oh my gosh, it's like old school soap opera stuff. I love it, and the costuming is gorgeous. I love it, and I, I, I love the fact that they're representing the fact that the, yes, they were well-to-do black folk. That existed in New York City at the time. (laughs) Right, right. So I I, I love every aspect of it. So I, I, and they, they managed to wrap some real life. um, They based some of it loosely on real life people and events and stuff. Mm -hmm. And the whole, what they called the opera wars um, between the Academy of Music and the Metropolitan Opera. And we already know which one of those won. So, but yeah, it, it's quite, it's quite the show. I'm so glad I finally stopped and watched it. So. Cool. Have you started watching Bass Reeves yet? No. That, that, every time I say I'm going to put on the list, I act like I actually have a list, but I don't. So no, I forgot. <laughs> I actually I, think I might jump that one and put it to the front of the list when I'm done with season three of Picard. Yeah, same. Cause I need a I need a new series, cause it's almost like there's too much. Because there's still stuff on the list, a lot of stuff sitting on Disney I still haven't bothered with. So, and then it oh, and there's a couple shows on Hulu that I I meant to start watching. I haven't done that. It's all over the place. So yeah, I actually need to write up a list somewhere and actually keep it nearby otherwise it will be until 2025 for me to finish all this shit yeah 
<laughs> I think I'm going to just go ahead and start with Bass Reeves, though, because I believe that it's just getting released one episode a week. So I think mm. that'll be easier to keep up with. How dare they? Than trying to marathon it all at once. Because lately, I've, I've just had a hard time marathoning stuff. So I think I'm just going to watch Bass Reeves and the footage I've seen. It looks... The, uh, the cinematography looks phenomenal. It does not mm-hmm. look like they spared any expenses on this show. So, and the um, the actor they have playing the um, Bass Reeves, I absolutely love him. So that was a very good pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's see. I'm trying to. I see his face in my head, so that's how I know who it is. But his name is like somewhere over here elsewhere i'm looking it up now oh david are you yeah i think he's yeah he's nigerian he's nigerian british i believe yeah i think you are correct on that but yeah he's he's a wonderful actor so i'm i was glad i was glad to hear about it and i'm glad to see it so i'm like you i need to put that up on the list because i think i i think this whole month i've actually fallen back into my comfort shows <laughs> <laughs> without starting anything new new so i've been doing the umpteenth rewatch of the walking dead so yeah (laughs) i'm gonna do new things because it's a new year so there's that yeah you could watch daryl dixon oh yeah there's yeah daryl dixon and then there's two spinoffs already no actually one two there's been in total four spinoffs that have come out and then there's a fifth coming yeah yeah so i i tried the first been all fear the walking dead it didn't do much for me but i haven't watched the other two yet with dixon and then the one with uh negan and maggie i haven't watched that one either yeah they're on the list they're all negan was one of my i guess this makes me a bad person but negan was one of my favorite characters when he was introduced it's probably because the character was played so well by Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Everything Jeffrey Dean Morgan does is perfect. Well, like, I'm come not on, argue that point. <laughs> Even at the we... same time, I felt the writing got bad because it's like you couldn't have th- thrived in that world and then do something as stupid as they did and go starting a war with that, like scouting out the whole thing. That just it's when it started. Yeah. They started losing me, and then when they killed Carl, I was like, no. And I didn't yeah, even that, like Carl, but it still made me go, no. <laughs> well, I mean, I, it's because the actor wanted to go to school. I think he wanted to go to college. So um, they wrote that into the script because technically he was supposed I I finally finished a graphic novel series like mm-hmm. earlier. It's like sometime during the spring or summer last year. I finished a graphic novel series after all this time. So Carl makes it to the very, very end. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they, you know, knocked his character off halfway through the show, like a lot of people just <gasps> I'm like, calm down. For one thing, this is like a 20-something-year-old uh kid you got running around. He's supposed to be a teenager. He's ready to go. He's been on this show for I think he'd been on the show that time by like seven years, six years, something like that. Yeah. By the time that yeah, he'd been on there a while. He's ready to go. I ain't mad. Yeah. But anyway. No, yeah. That's our so pop culture that. moment. Listening, we, friends, uh, if you 
if you miss any of the names of the shows, go back and listen again. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, I was just going to say, you know, now that the important stuff's out of the way. <laughs> what's yes. your uh, first WTF of the year? Oh, my. This is what happens when you uh, take time off to spend time in the holidays with family and friends and have a little rest and relaxation. The world keeps spinning and dumb things keep happening. Jack and listening friends, do you remember how I've said a couple of times, anytime one white person feels uncomfortable, everything has to stop. It does appear that way, especially if they are in some sort of government leadership position and Republican. This person may or may not be, it doesn't matter, but this is one of those stories. Coming from one of our favorite places in the Union, Texas, in which the Historical Commission has removed around two dozen race-related books from the gift shops of two former slave plantations because one person complained. Michelle Haas, a white amateur historian, <clears throat> I'm quoting the article from HuffPost, began emailing a commission board member after visiting the Varner Hogg Plantation last year, last year as in 2022. Uh, titles reportedly removed included Remembering the Days of Sorrow, a Book of Slave Narratives, Invisible Man by the iconic Ralph Ellison, Stamped from the Beginning, I heard that's a really good book, uh, A History of Racist Ideas by Ibrahim X. Kendi, and Roots, the Alex Haley, actually sort of kind of autobiography more than just a fiction novel, but everybody knows about Roots. So apparently her complaint was, how dare you have these books at this gift shop in this plantation to remind us of these bad things that happened. That's the only reason that that plantation exists, sister. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, going to the plantation in itself should remind you that bad things happen, right? But no, because people still want to have weddings at those places and proms and dead balls, shit like that. That's true. So, no, apparently no. Apparently, no, that doesn't occur to them. And they would rather not be reminded of those facts. It, nothing surprises me anymore. Texas Monthly, the magazine, uh, reported that Ms. Haas thought the Varner Hawk Plantation presented too much information about the enslaved Black people who worked the sugarcane fields and not enough about the white people who lived in the main house. Crack the whip. She later, she later reportedly emailed David Gravel, a commission's board member, a list of titles she did not like that were available at another nearby historical site, the Levi Jordan Plantation. Haas is the author of a book of her own titled 200 Years a Fraud, which takes the text of the 12 Years of Slave Memoir and points out what she considers historical inaccuracies in the primary author's account of his own life. 
<laughs> I'm sorry. That that's not like a laugh because I find it funny. That's a laugh because good God, people. It's it's 2024, and do you know what's still free? The audacity. <laughs> yeah. You gonna unless, say unless it's an autobiography of George Santos. <laughs> Oh, they're getting ready to do you're getting ready to do a documentary, you know. Anyway, how in the world do you feel so authoritative and compelled to dismiss someone's memoir about their own life and say, oop, this didn't happen? Yeah, Are he's you? mistaken that didn't happen. No, they didn't kidnap him from New York and ship him all the way down south. And tear up, tear up his papers and stuff and sold him from plantation to plantation. No, that didn't happen. Frequently. I read the book. I remember I, th I read the book actually before I saw the movie because I heard about the movie coming out. So I went and got the book. Mm -hmm. And then I saw them. Have you seen the movie? No, I have not. But For not her because I didn't want to be made to feel uncomfortable. I, I just haven't seen it. Oh, no, it makes you uncomfortable regardless. No, I'm sure it's going to. I'm just saying that's not why I haven't watched oh. it. <laughs> it's a, I mean, it's, it's as far as movie making goes, the director was uh, as a black man, Steve McQueen. I think he's British. Mm. Um, as far as directing goes, he did a beautiful job with it. But the story. Well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> it, it can't be a pleasant story. At all. So for this chick. Like this, this is what happens. Let me back up. I'll rephrase. This is what I wish I had the self-confidence of. A mediocre white woman like this. Because she can open her mouth one good time and people listen to her. Mm -hmm. She's done, you know, apparently nothing of consequence. Because if that's your claim to fame as an amateur historian was to debunk someone's real life story and you complain about the fact that plantations don't talk enough about the slave owners, but they have the nerve to talk about the enslaved and you yeah. get away with it. Somebody listens and something happens because you complain. I want to have that kind of confidence. <laughs> That's yeah. my goal. That that is a lot of confidence you are. <laughs> <laughs> to say some absolutely ludicrous bullshit like that, and somebody's like, "Yes, you are yeah. perfectly right." That's my goal, yeah. and that's my yeah. WTF. Well, before we move on, you might find this interesting. I have actually met Ralph Ellison. Did you? Yeah. Oh wow! He once gave a speech at the museum that I work because he's from Oklahoma. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he gave a speech that was standing room only. Well, everybody was sitting in chairs. You know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we didn't go out drinking or anything afterwards, <laughs> but he did walk by and was polite. He didn't have to say anything to me. And he was just like, hello, nice to meet you. Went and did his thing. It's beautiful. I don't know if that counts for much, but. It does. He did tell me hi. It does. It, it's it's like the, the encounter I had 
uh, when our Black Student Association College went to a regional meeting and we met Angela Davis. Same way. Which, by just- the way, on that note, I was listening to a podcast the other day and they were talking about her. And uh-huh. I was like, Kenyatta has her. We were all in awe and shock. We just stood there looking at each other like, did that just happen? Yes, it did. It's fantastic. But I'll yeah. have to have a showdown. Which civil rights activists would win? Kenyatta's or Jack's? Dear God. What's your WTF, Jack? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I don't know where this shit comes from. Mar- Marvel versus DC. Go. What's your- right? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, this, oh, is, gosh. this is really cool for uh, what would be the family in this situation. Um, 40 years ago, well, nearly 40 years ago, a family, uh, their daughter, uh, her name was Lori Ann Razpotnik. She was a teenager who ran away from home in 1982, and she was never seen again. And um, in 1985, they found uh, human remains, two sets. She was known as... Bone 16, because, you know, they didn't have any. No, sorry. She was bone 17. They were able to identify bone 16. But this entire time, the bones of bone 17, they weren't able to identify who it was. And um, they recently, I guess, through DNA. Yep. They were able to find out who, who she was. And so all of these years later, her family now at least gets the closure of knowing um what happened and the guy the the guy that did the murdering um pled guilty to uh, 49 uh murders in 2011 good god yeah uh, bone 16 were the remains of someone named sandra majors um mm. and it's it's more of just a wtf that sometimes maybe you should go back and revisit cold cases and see if you can get a family um, closure, even if it's been 40 years. Um, it doesn't say in the article if what family members she still have has alive, but which whatever they are, I'm, or, you know, whoever they are, I'm sure that they're quite happy to finally know for sure that what happened. I mean, that's just mm-hmm. mine that, you know, DNA is is great at stuff like this. And then clearing people after 40 years in prison kind of related. <laughs> Something just happened here in Oklahoma. And that's because of DNA. And I think that's really cool. That through DNA, we're able to solve 40-year-old mysteries and get people out of prison after 40 years. Mm-hmm. And um, I just think that's kind of a WTF-y thing. It is. And and even after all this time, I'm sure her family is grateful to have some answers, a final answer. Like, that's just I can't imagine going that long and not just not knowing. Yeah. 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 So. Speaking of good for somebody deciding to go and open a box from the closed uh, cold case files and deciding, hey, maybe there's a chance we can get some DNA out of this and figure out who this person is. So, mm-hmm. 
boy oh boy that kind of reminds me of a um it was an article i read from earlier in 2023 um do you know the book in the movie the lovely bones yes the author of that book when she was a 18 19 year old college student was raped and um a man the man that was sent to prison for 16 years for it didn't do it and she wrote a book about it and then they, the book's no longer that book's no longer in print it was actually her first book mm-hmm. called lucky and she details the rape in the book and she when she went to go report it all she said basically was that it was a black man and she she was shown a lineup with five men in it and she misidentified who it was mm-hmm. and then uh, she's on the street one day and someone's crossing the street and she thinks that person's talking to her it was a black guy he's talking to someone behind her she freaks out and takes off and she later tells that it was a cop that was standing behind her she tells that cop that guy you were just talking to he raped me she's convinced of it goes oh, to court wow. he goes to court he gets convicted and all they have was her word and um hair fiber analysis he goes to prison for 16 years and then they find out sometime later that he didn't do it he got released he did he did his whole his whole term he got out a little bit early but he did the whole term and he wasn't exonerated completely until 2021 wow and I mean, it's interesting you mentioned DNA. Like this is a case where it proved that the the person accused and who served time for it didn't do it. But now right. there's there's somebody is or was somebody out there who did do it and got away with it. Yeah. And like the, like I said, the article I read was a really good article. It's in the New Yorker. It talks about how she feels. You know how you're certain about something for a very long time, and then all of a sudden you find out that it's completely not the case? That's how she is to a huge extent. And she apparently she wrote an email to him, kind of sort of apologizing, I guess, but not really. Right. It was a, a, it's a touchy subject. Like, she went with what she thought she knew. The rest of what happened was out of her control. So, yeah. So something like DNA analysis, even though I think, I think it was 1981 that this happened. So obviously stuff like DNA analysis, like hair and fiber, things like that have, have grown by leaps and bounds. Right. And they can, they can be used in this in this instance to bring closure to something. Well, closure in both cases, but. Yeah. That's, what a difference. That's why it's so important that, because um, you know, they're the rape kits, and I can't remember the percentage of them, but there are so many of them that don't actually get used when they're needed. And this is why they need to be utilized, you know, at the time that the rape is reported. Because mm-hmm. um, that would theoretically, <laughs> theoretically, get a lot of people you know clear them when from a crime that they didn't commit <laughs> yeah you know. hmm. 
But Interesting. Anyway. Anyway. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Well, what a way to start the year. Hooray! <laughs> well, you know, you can't just be all happy. <laughs> or we yeah. could be. Yeah. Or we could be <laughs> delusional and. Although it's happy for the family, I mean, well, that, I mean, yeah, they're, they're a person, so it's good news for them. That is, and it's it, good it's, news for Glenn that he can't think of his last name that he was released after all of that time. So, hmm. good news. It's just it's bittersweet, though. I'll tell you what. Yeah, yeah, definitely bittersweet. Huh. Well, onward we go, That's listening right. friends. And we're going to get into our the the main topic of our various first is episode from our third season. This topic is for the folks out there who insist that people forget about slavery because no one alive is enslaved and no one alive has ever owned slaves. So why do y'all keep bringing it up? Well, because even though slavery was on paper outlawed, mm -hmm. it still exists in some form or fashion to this day. Because after... Does. After uh huh, after a uh, civil war and emancipation proclamation, there were uh, the black coats, and then there was Jim Crow, and then the racists got fancier and decided to codify their prejudices into law: housing, neighborhoods, businesses, and schools, specifically segregating schools. But in 1954, the United States Supreme Court in Brown versus the Board of Education, they said segregated schools were illegal. So now, oopsie, you have to send all the children to the same school at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yes. This went over so well all over the country. Not. <laughs> yeah, because nobody had to use the National Guard to escort little girls to school funny you should say that because today we're going to talk about the little rock nine so 1954 supreme court says no you can no longer have schools for just white children and just black children you have to integrate mm -hmm. many states in the south were not keen on the idea they would rather go jump in swamps with gators then integrate the schools. Oh, heaven forbid. But Arkansas, specifically the city of Little Rock, said, hey, let's get a let's get ahead of this. We'll go ahead and uh do it before they make us do it. So Little Rock School Superintendent, Virgil Blossom, came up with a plan in 1950, let's see, six. And the initial approach to this plan proposed substantial integration, beginning quickly and extending to all grades within a manner of a few years. And the original proposal was revamped a few times, but they finalized with this. In September of 1957, they would integrate one high school, Little Rock Central. 
The second phase of the plan would take place in 1960 and open up a few junior high schools to a few Black children. The final stage would involve limited desegregation of the city's grade schools at an unspecified time, possibly as late as 1963. Hmm. Yeah, they're in in a hurry. And this is a, a very neat tactic for people that are being will eventually be forced to something that they don't want to. They'll say, oh, I'll go ahead and do it on my own so you can't make me, but I'll take as long as I want to. And you can't say anything because I volunteered to do it. So you can't say anything about how I do it. Great. So many people uh, that were pushing for desegregation felt like this was a stalling tactic on the school's part. And they weren't wrong. But as it were... Most people accepted the plan. So one of the people that lived in Little Rock that was quite influential in helping the integration of the schools there was a lady by the name of Daisy Bates. She was born in Huddick, I think is how you say Huddick, Arkansas, 1914. And she met her future husband and traveled with him throughout the South. And they settled in Little Rock where they started the Arkansas Weekly. It was one of the only African-American newspapers solely dedicated to the civil rights movement. So she and her husband were big in the city for pushing for civil rights movements. And when they decided they were going to start integrating the schools, she was one of the ones that was head, head of the planning commission as far as, you know, the black citizens were concerned. So before the plan, remember the plan had been finalized with what I just mentioned. However, someone said, oops, we're going to do something different. One of the worst changes was a new transfer system that would allow students to move out of the attendance zone to which they were assigned. And the plan had ended up gerrymandering school districts to guarantee a black majority at Horace Mann High School and a white majority at Hall High School. And this meant that even though black students live closer to central, they would be placed in Horace Mann, thus confirming the intention of the school board to limit the impact of desegregation. Again, one of those neat tricks that technically were following the letter of the law. However, anyway, I swear, if people like this utilize this kind of energy for good. We've discussed this before, that they put more effort into being bad. (laughs) into being giant dicks than if they just were nice. <laughs> I mean, come on. Seriously. All the yeah. money they wasted, if they you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, it gets it gets more interesting as the story goes on. So now they redistrict and say, well, we can't help how it's district if that means that all the black kids go to this school and all the white kids go to that one. It's not our fault. But that means that the white students can go. They they didn't have to go to the school where they were district in, but the black students had to go to the school that they were district in. Funny. The local chapter of the NAACP did not care about that. And they tried to negotiate with the school board. Didn't work. So they filed a lawsuit in February of 1956. So most of that got scrapped. And plans started getting underway to finally, honestly, start to integrate the schools. So the plan went as originally stated. 
Then in 1957, the beginning of the school year in September, they were going to integrate one of the high schools. Mm -hmm. That high school was Little Rock High School. Nine black students were given admittance to the school. And they were Ernest Green, Elizabeth Eckford, Jefferson Thomas, Terrence Roberts, Carlotta Walls Lanier, Minnie Jean Brown, Gloria Ray Karlmark, Thelma Mothershed, and Melba, Melba Patio Beals. All of those people, with the exception of Jefferson Thomas, are still alive. Oh, wow. In their 80s, and they are still alive. So, I'll stop right here to say it again. For anyone who thinks that all of these things, all of these bad things that happened in this country or way, way, way back in the past, they're not. Moving on. So, September 2nd, the day before what was going to be the first day of, of school for the students, Arkansas Governor Orville Falbus, if that isn't the most Arkansas name I have ever heard in my life, <laughs> I, I have to admit, as you read that, I was like, that definitely is a name that sounds like it would have the title Grand Dragon attached to the <laughs> end of it. <laughs> he decided that he was going to have the State National Guard to block their entrance. And he said it was for their safety. Well, of course. Yeah. So they did not get to start on the 3rd. Instead, they started on September 4th. And this was because a federal judge had to step in and ordered them to uh, order the uh, school district and the governor to allow them to begin attending classes. Now, naturally, a belligerent mob, along with the National Guard, again, kept them from getting into the school. 16 days later, on the 20th, a federal judge again ordered the National Guard removed. And then on the 23rd, the nine teenagers, excuse me, the high school was actually Central High School. I, I stand corrected. It's called Central High School. The Little Rock Nine, as they were collectively known from then on out, they attempted to once again enter the school. They only got three hours worth of school before... Angry mobs, again, trying to get into the school itself, forced them to have to rush out and go home for their own safety. September 24th, President Eisenhower invoked the Insurrection Act of 1807 to enable troops to perform domestic law enforcement. Listening friends, the Insurrection Act of 1807 I never heard of it until a few years ago. And if you want to know where you might have heard about it as well, just go back to about 2020. You'll find out. Anyway, um, yeah. this enabled uh, him to activate troops to perform, basically to get uh, citizens under control, in lesser words. And then he ordered the 101st Airborne Division of the United States Army to Little Rock to maintain some order. Hmm. So, and mind you, he only did this after Little Rock's mayor, a fellow by the name of Woodrow Mann, said, oh, please, God, come help us. And he did. So there was that. 
So now the teenagers are being personally guarded by not just the National Guard, but also the 101st Airborne. They started finally beginning to uh, attend regular classes at Central High School. However, that school year was not without conflict, to put wait, it very, very mildly. <laughs> wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're telling hmm. me... After the 101st Airborne Division went there to allow those children to go to school, that the angry mob wasn't like, oh, well, I guess we got to be nice now. That's what you're telling me, because I find that very plausible. Do you you remember you saw the Matrix movies, right? Yes. So the second Matrix movie where the first scene where Neo was fighting all the Agent Smiths. Mm-hmm. And then he takes off and boom, just shoots off in the air. And all the Agent Smiths are just stopping and staring at each other. And they just all slowly walk away. Yeah. It was like that. Huh. I very, very believable that that's how it occurred. Psych. Unfortunately, <laughs> those those children were pretty much subjected to more of the same for the entire year. Melba Patillo had acid thrown in her eyes. And she also recalled in her book called Warriors Don't Cry, an incident in which a group of white girls trapped her in a stall in the bathroom and attempted to burn her by dropping pieces of flaming toilet paper on her from above. Another one of the students, Minnie Jean Brown, was verbally confronted and abused. And she was taunted by members of of, uh, a group of white male students in December of 57 in the cafeteria at lunch where she dropped her bowl, which was chili, on to the boys. And she was suspended for six days. But of course. Two months later, after more confrontation, and unfortunately, where I'm reading this from doesn't go into detail, but um, I suspect I'm going to find out soon enough because I'm going to start doing more digging. Anyway, she was um, suspended for the rest of the school year. Here's my thing. How, and, and I'm not going to act surprised that it happened like it did in, in that day and age. Obviously, they did it because they could. She was being antagonized. She was probably doing nothing more than either self-defense or just fighting back because enough was enough. And... She gets suspended, but nothing obviously happens to the kids that were tormenting her, obviously. Of course. But the same kind of shit still happens today. That you have kids that get messed with for one reason or another. And as human beings do, we all hit our limits and we we had enough. And then you strike back and all of a sudden you're the one in trouble. It's a wild phenomenon. Truly. It it really is because you get to where you should have told us like y'all were doing anything about it no no so here's the fun part oh as though the rest of this hasn't already been fun in the summer of 58 just about near the end of that first school year governor falbus decided to petition the decision by the federal district court and that was pretty much like, you know, things are going to be what they're going to be. And we're going to speed up this integration. There's nothing you can do about it. He was like, no, I don't want it. 
So he tries to po po postpone the desegregation for another two and a half years, effectively pushing back admittance to all public schools, black students, until January of 1961. Claiming that Little Reich had to assert their rights and freedom against the federal decision, in September of 1958, Faubus signed acts that enabled him and the Little Rock School District to close all public schools. On Monday, September 15th, he ordered the closure of all four public high schools, preventing all students from attending school. Of course. Honestly, that doesn't surprise me because... You know, until the 1950s, a lot of cities had public swimming pools, and slowly after that, they started dying, and it's because of desegregation. Because the whites couldn't, you know, heaven forbid your children swim with with somebody who's not going to, who's not white. And so cities slowly started phasing it out. Now, they would say stuff like, it's for insurance purposes and stuff like that, but that wasn't the case. So the fact that a dude is willing to close schools isn't really that much of, <laughs> of a leap for for me. It's but, pretty much it's pretty much cutting your nose off to spite your face. Yeah, and <laughs> obviously the the fire bit hits me pretty hard. So yeah, so. Even though he did that, the law itself necessitated a referendum. And it would either condone or condemn his law, either make it a yes, permanent or no, not at all. And that was supposed to take place within 30 days. So a week before the vote on the referendum, he says, hey, Little Rock, uh, we don't need integration. And this is why. I'm going to lease the public school buildings to private schools and be able to teach our white kids apart from the black kids, which was the goal all along. Yeah, well, that's why um, in the Northeast, obviously, there were public Christian schools, but those were generally Catholic schools. Mm -hmm. You didn't have the evangelical sort of Protestant Christian schools that were affiliated with churches until desegregation. And it mm -hmm. was because, you know, we can't have our kids going to school with black kids. And so that's how a lot of those private schools got their start. And that is exactly also how Bob Jones University got its start. Mm -hmm. Liberty University got its start. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Jerry Falwell Sr., aside from being a horrible, horrible person, <laughs> was racist as they come. I mean, if you're going to start a university so that white people don't have to go to school with black people, that's generally a pretty, you know, says a lot about your racism. And you, you say that and it leads me to something else. And this is, and I know we both said this on previous episodes. You know, people are so busy hemming and hawing and spitting about who's who needs to be president or who shouldn't be, or our options for president are so shitty. Mm -mm. If you're really that concerned 
you would be concerned every time there's an election in your state and in your city, because that's where the problems are. That's where it starts. And it's stuff like this, people trying to wrangle and hijack things for their own purposes, such as schools, which brings me to Oklahoma's superintendent of schools and how he was adamant about not having, not receiving federal funds for schools. So that money could get funneled as vouchers to allow parents to send their children to private schools. Ooh, does it sound familiar? Yes, exactly the same playbook. So if people want to be concerned about what's going to happen, it's already happening. I would like to point out that I did not vote for Ryan Walters. He was appointed, wasn't he? No. So they vote for superintendent there? Yes. So there's the state superintendent, and then in the governor's office, there's like the Department of Education. It's weird. It's not really a... The state superintendent is the one that has more power. And he was appointed initially to, in that role in the governor's office. The and secretary then, yeah, of education. And then Joy Hoffmeister was the former uh, secretary of education. I mean, state superintendent. But she ran for governor against Kevin Stitt. Mm. Um, she actually changed parties to do it. Mm. <laughs> and so, of course, then the state um, superintendent obviously had a vacancy and he ran and he beat the uh the democratic candidate and um she would have been oh so much better but the funny thing is is during the campaign people were saying he's going to do this 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 and this and sure enough it happened he's still (laughs) there are still school districts that he they haven't um given them their federal funds which generally they receive by like September 30th. Mm-hmm. There are school districts that aren't the, the school district we went to mid They still haven't received their federal funds unless they, it, it happened. And I just haven't noticed it yet, but yeah, Ryan Walters is horrible. That dude is like, he's, he's definitely friends with uh, what was his name? Orville. Redbacher. Falbus. <laughs> Yeah, the Falbus part kind of sounds like a Harry Potter name. Um, maybe, maybe. But all together, it sounds very it's, planny. It's and very familiar. Like it's the same playbook yeah. year after year after year, decade after decade, state to state to state. It's the same playbook. Well, yeah. It. This is what school vouchers is. Imagine there's this lovely city park, and all the kids get to go and play in the city park. And it's lovely and it has a splash pad and everything. But then there are a group of parents that want to take their kids to, you know, white water, you know, the water park. But they don't want to pay for it. They want the city to take money out of the park's budget, the city park's budget, and give it to them so they can take their kids to white water. (laughs) That's exactly what this is. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And I, I find it funny that he, Walters kept claiming, you know, he wouldn't accept the federal funds because he doesn't want the government 
to indoctrinate the children of Oklahoma. No, it's more like he and his cronies want to be the one to pick what to indoctrinate the children with. (laughs) (laughs) That is actually, yes, very, very true. And it's like, you know, dude, we're we're already 49th in education. What are you trying to, because you can fall further than 50th because they also count territories in that. So, you know, we can conceivably drop down to like 55th or 56th. They're behind Guam. Um, (laughs) The Marshall Islands. Ooh, we laugh, tested, but you know, nukes, their schools are going to have more funding. We laugh, but it's horrible because this is this is where these kind of folks are seeping back in at. They have real power. And they're yeah. coming in from the bottom up. And this is this incident in Little Rock, you know, happened 57. Nothing much has changed. Sometimes these kind of people, they go back under the rocks and they go hide in the caves and things are, I won't say normal, but it's quieter. And then some stuff happens and the cycle happens again and people start creeping on again. Hey, we got yeah. another shot to make this country the way we want it to be. Let's try it again. Yeah, this is one of those phases. <laughs> it's just the terminology changes. Mm-hmm. You know, back in the 50s, it was, you know, the N-word and now they just say woke <laughs> or tough on crime because that's what they mean when they say woke and inner cities and urban yeah 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 you know we got to be tough on crime no that's not what you mean that's a dog whistle for we got to be tough on black people <laughs> mm. you know we we can't be woke no that means you don't want to include the perspective of an entire different group of people that are every bit as valid and equal and as important to this country as everyone else. But heaven forbid that happens and it's just code. Hmm. Governor Falbus, in all his wisdom, he got his way. He managed to have the high schools closed for the entire year. But his plan to try to open the private schools was blocked by the 8th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals. And some of the white citizens of Little Rock tried to blame the black citizens for this. I mean, of course. (laughs) And Daisy Bates, who was, uh, like I mentioned earlier, heavy in the civil rights, involved with the NAACP, head of it, at that point she took a lot of heat for this too hate crimes things things thrown at her house death threats all of this it's ridiculous somehow it's all their fault oh i don't know just because like you just said they had a wish to be treated as equally and as respectfully as any other human being how dare they yeah so Wanting to be treated equal is so horrible. So that entire year that the schools were closed and the governor tried to get his private school plan going, the kids didn't go to school. They didn't Can you imagine school. being a senior and losing yeah. the whole year, how pissed you'd be? They didn't start school back up until August of 1959. So 
And because all this animosity that had brewed this entire year, the black students that were there were not, <laughs> there was no warm welcome. And this should not be surprising. Yeah. And again, we had rabid mobs of screaming, cursing, red face, spitting racists outside. It never ceases to amaze me how angry some white folks continue to be at their melanated fellow citizens, especially us black folk, because outside of, out of every other culture and ethnic background that resides here in this beautiful stew of a country, the earliest ones to come here and settle, settle. I say, come here. Not who, who's already here goes without saying. I said, came here and settled was Europeans and Africans. One group yep. had a choice. The others did not. So to have continuously gone through this kind of blowback every single time Blacks would like to be treated equally and fairly, Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders want to be treated respectfully and fairly, Latino and Hispanic people, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Every single time any of those groups opens their mouth and say, hey, we're not getting what we should be getting. Always, there's always, always, always pushback. And someone, they get angry. The social majority gets angry as hell and decides nobody but them deserves to, to reap the rewards because they built this country. And I, and I like, I want to tell people so bad, you know, who built the White House? Yeah. <laughs> you know, who built a lot of those lovely national monuments? Pay attention. But it just amazes me how angry sometimes that white people, folk, white folks get at black people as though it's all of our fault that there's such conflict in this yeah. country. I, it's most I mean, of us didn't ask to be here. Exactly. And those of those of us descended from, we didn't ask to be here. And we're so far removed from our backgrounds. There's no going back to anywhere for us. We're Americans. This is your home. <laughs> this is your homeland. <laughs> so for people to still in, in the year of our Lord, to still be this this foaming at the mouth. And I am talking about 2024 to be this foaming at the mouth, let's say, as Miss Haas in Texas was about how little how little of the story of the white slave owners there was. Ooh, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure you could just go watch Gone with the Wind. And that will there's the white person's perspective. Mm -hmm. Mm, that's why they burned down Atlanta. Anyway. <laughs> right. Obviously. But, but it's just, I don't know. Well, it's still going on. It's just, well, first it, of all, towards, you know, black Americans, it is getting, I don't, I don't, worse, not worse. It's like it's coming out in the open again. It's, it's, but it's now always... it's directed at immigrants at the southern border. Sure. But it's the same thing, the same arguments, the same 
all of the arguments that were made, you know, after, um, dang it, I'm just so irritated. I'm having a hard time. You know, they're just making that with, well, they're going to take our jobs. No, they aren't. They don't want to take anything from anybody. They're just looking for opportunities in the same exact way that the quote unquote founders of this country were trying to do. Yeah. The difference is, the people coming from South and Central America, a lot of the times, the reason their country is screwed up is because the United States government screwed it up. Hmm. We almost don't. And it's amazing how when speak people speak of illegal immigrants, they almost always refer to our, our neighbors south of the border, but somehow they always forget the folks coming from Europe who stay, right. oh, I don't know, two years past their visas. Yeah. That makes up, what, roughly 30-some percent of so-called illegals? But that you hardly ever hear that getting mentioned. Yeah. Okay. And not... <clears throat> this is just the way the world operates. This isn't mean. Mm. The very people that are complaining about people coming from the southern border are the same people that are complaining about the high price of produce and grocery stores. And a lot of times it's the people that are coming from the southern borders who are the ones that, you know, pick the produce in the grocery stores, thus making it cheap. And over the past three years, there's all sorts, you can go and find it where, um, like in Florida, just in the last year, all of a sudden they don't have people that will, that can go and work in these agricultural markets. And so they hire white people and they generally quit after the first day because it's too hard. But, but these are the very people that are complaining about this, those, and I, once again, I'm not, it's just the way the world operates, and I'm just commenting on it. Those are the people that do those jobs. And if you want, let people come in this country so that they can then get the education and they can move up and they can better themselves and they can better America. And this, you know, this will of betterment of everybody, the whole nation, all of it, everybody can happen. No. <laughs> It's a resounding no. And it's going to, it's, that's why I, when I, when I say, I say it jokingly, when I say the constitution needs an overhaul, because they never meant for all that to apply to everybody. Why they have the <laughs> amendment process. Hello. We stopped amendments in what, 19, what, 80 something? What was the last, oh. Been the last one. Uh, my handy dandy pocket constitution. Give me a second. <laughs> I actually think that the people that wrote the constitution would probably be pissed off that it hasn't been amended more. 1992. Because I feel like they would be like, no, that's why we put that in there so that you could amendment and update it to go with the times that you live in. Just, just a thought. <sighs> There was something I was reading, and I, I have to go back and look for it. It was a um, a short story. 
some, and it was a, a dystopian future where everybody was forced to be equal. So people that were exceptionally like, you know, good looking or exceptionally strong or could sing, all of those talents were dampened down. So everybody would be the same. And by that time, the United States was up to 213 amendments. I said, I'd like to see that America. <laughs> what what <Yeah>. the hell? <laughs> yeah. I was like, can you imagine that crap? And the, I'm, I agree. Like, why haven't you done more to this? Like, people are so content with letting it sit and still trying to interpret that document centuries later and still yeah. think that it somehow can validly apply to the 21st century? You're kidding, yeah. right? And it, it's still kind of crazy that the uh, number of representatives in the House hasn't changed since like 1911 or something like that. The population of the U.S. has got to be, what, four or five times, six times the amount of people then? Each representative now, I think, represents something like 400,000 people. That's what I'm saying. Or up it, to, it's some insane, you know what I mean? Some yeah, no, I know. Well, yeah, it, it it should have, it should increase, it should increase uh, proportionally. As the yeah. population grows, the representative grows proportionately. But no, these are the kinds of things that I'm sure someone thinks about it, but no one wants to do anything about it because they're comfortable with the way things are. Mitch McConnell was comfortable being a career politician, even yeah. though he's got one foot on a banana peel. I'm not wishing anything on the man. I'm just... <laughs> yeah. Term limits. If anybody wants our recommendation for the next amendment, term limits for Congress people, for God's sake, I'm not talking about age. I'm talking about term limits. There's yeah. no reason someone should be a career politician for 50, 60. That, that's quite a long time. <laughs> feel like I'm, time. feel like I'm spinning on the mic. I got bars today. A spit's hot fire. Um, but yeah. Yeah. The more the things, the more things stay the same, they stay the same. Put that way. That is true. That and is it's, true. It's the same old trick about we're just trying to protect the children. No. Just trying to protect yourselves. Yeah. Well, with that light starting off of 2024. Yay. <laughs> I, think we, I think we've reached the end of the show. Um, but listeners, if it makes mm. you feel any better based on what happened a few weeks ago, you're worth more than Rudy Giuliani is. Oh. <laughs> Even as we speak, he's still hiding assets. Um. Yeah, the uh, the unhoused person that um, I saw at the corner is probably worth more than Rudy Giuliani is at the moment. And I will keep saying it all this year until there's actually a check in those ladies' hands. 
They deserve every cent and then some. Yeah, and then they get to they're gonna get to sue him to get more money that he doesn't have because the idiot couldn't understand that maybe when you've lost defaming you somebody, up. you shouldn't keep going on TV and saying it after you lost. Because that's gonna make it really, really easy in court. Hmm. Like he so. he he and his cronies damn near ruined those ladies' lives. They didn't damn near. They ruined those ladies' lives. Did you see their testimony during the hearings? Yeah. It, oh. What they went through is just freaking insane. It, But it ties into what we were... Really, this ties into what we were talking about. Because what happened to them after Giuliani and all of those nut jobs were saying all of that crap to them? What happened? A mob of violent white people started harassing them, just like the Little Rock Nine. It was the exact same thing. Look what you did. And let's be honest, once again, there was that dog whistle that we talked about earlier. What was the thing Giuliani kept saying about him? They're drug dealers. They're drug dealers. They're criminals. You know why he was saying that? I mean, I know you know why. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because of the color of their skin. Basically. You know, because if, if you're black, you're automatically a drug dealer. You're automatically a criminal. Yeah. Period. Point blank. And he was de he was depending on people's inherent biases that if he says that these two black ladies are criminals, <gasps> well, they just have to be. Look yeah. at them. Are you kidding? Yep. America. Yeah, that's yep. Yeah, that it's the exact it's the exact same thing. Yeah, it, it really is. It's just the the age of the people that they did it to is different. That's really the only thing. It's the same playbook over and over and over again. Like the only, I keep saying the only people that white folks genuinely the angry white folks need to be angry with is those white folks that came before. Yeah, that didn't didn't teach them a damn thing yeah yeah and i'll be honest i'm an angry white guy but for a different reason yeah i'm an angry white guy because the more i find out about how much i was lied to growing up in false history or maybe not false history incomplete the incomplete history yes the incomplete history that i was taught and you know, just certain, you know, like there was no, you know, like systematic racism. No, I'm pissed off because why did I not learn this shit until my, you know, 40s? The deeper history, the full story is what I'm saying. That's mm -hmm. why I'm pissed off. Mm -hmm. And it's like you're saying, you need to be pissed off at the people that came before you because they're the, the reason why. I was given this incomplete education. What was it? There was a, I think I, I posted a quote some months ago, um, something to the effect of you can't look at where this country is right now and believe the fairy tale of its creation. You yeah. can't. Because the tensions that are going on right now, they didn't come out of nowhere. They've been here. Since the beginning, they just ebb and flow mm -hmm. up and down, varying degrees, but they've always been here. They didn't come out of nowhere. 
And no, to keep talking about racism is not perpetrating it. We talk about it because it already exists. Yeah. Oh, the fallacy. Yeah. 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 Well, folks, we've reached, you know, the end of the show. We still are incapable, apparently, with season three of stopping at the stated stop times before we start recording. Mm. I I don't expect that to change anytime soon. Well, at least they know we're consistent, so. That's right. We are consistent. Mm. There was something else to be said there, but I didn't want to. That's what she said moment, so. Anywho. <laughs> Go on with the rest. <laughs> Well, we appreciate everybody tuning back in. <laughs> uh, we're looking forward to what's going to be the the year of learning U.S. law mm. is what I'm considering it because there's one man that's making sure that we're all going to know a lot about U.S. law. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm sure that we will have plenty of episodes to talk about that as the year goes on. Yeah, We appreciate everybody coming back. If you would like to help us, you can go to buymeacoffee.com backslash hyperfocus pods and uh, with that bye and now folks it's time to say goodnight we sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment please drive home carefully and come back again soon good night <laughs>